Attention, armchair quarterbacks and shower thought GMs. It's time for this week's episode of Sports Ball with Mike Meharry and Alan Mosley. So do you do New Year's resolutions? Absolutely not. Good good man. That's <laughs> Why give yourself more disappointment? Exactly. Right? If I resolve not to make a resolution, I know that I will succeed. There you so go. So 2020 is already off to a good start. Realistic goals. I like it. That's right. Guys, welcome back to another episode of Sports Ball. I am your host, Alan Mosley, joined as always by, I didn't I didn't get a good look at your shirt. What are you today? I'm uh, Mickey Mouse. Oh, joined by, joined by Disney's very own Mike Meharry. Mike, <laughs> how are you doing? Uh, we're going to build Disney for that, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> it's either that or they're going to build us. In that case, this is the this is the finale of Sports Ball. <laughs> yeah, thank you for listening. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing all right. How are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. This, You know, this is that weird time of year where, like, you know, all the, hol- all the big holidays are all rushed into a very w- small window of time. And so I think everyone's, like, hungover, either, either literally or metaphorically. For, or both. Yeah, for a week or two, and then yeah. everyone kind of gets back to normal, like after the first full week of January. So that's kind of where yeah. I'm at. I'm 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 pushing for January sixth, and yeah, maybe life will be kind of normal-ish. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. So, what do you remember from last week without really looking? Well, you know, there's a lot of things. Two things really strike strike uh, stuck out to me. Three things actually stuck out to me. Well, I'll go through all three of them real quick. Okay. Number one. Oklahoma had no business in the playoff. Ooh, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was ugly. Number two, there are way too many freaking bowl games. Yeah. Um, I saw a lot of bad football. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of teams who had no business being in a bowl game. Yeah. And then the final thing is uh, just, I have to mention that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback, Jameis Winston, uh, is in the record books now. Mm-hmm. First quarterback to ever throw 30 picks and 30 touchdowns. Yep, the 30-30 club. Yeah, how yep. about that? So everybody's debating here what they're going to do with old crab legs. So it'll be interesting to see. Nobody really seems to know what the consensus is. Yeah, it, it'll, be- it'll it'll be interesting because, you know, it's, it's always a league of have and have nots. And you're going to have people, you're going to have Tampa Bay people saying, we can win without Jameis Winston. In fact, we could win more easily without Jameis Winston. Well, and, and uh, Bruce Arians in one of his post games. I know, uh, I know. He said that. He said, I can, I can win with it. And, you know, the defense, if you look at the improvement of that Buccaneers defense over the last six or eight games, uh, really quite impressive. And I know that they've made it a priority yeah. to keep uh, Shaq Barrett and try to keep JPP. Who ended up with eight and a half sacks, even though he missed like the first six games Wait, with a broken neck. Hold on, hold on a minute. You're trying to tell me they're making it a priority to keep the best defensive lineman in NFL this year? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's not a given with the Buccaneers, right? Very true. Very true. So, so we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I think the the consensus seems to be that they'll probably keep Jameis for one more year and and try to draft a quarterback. Yeah. Um. I'm just going to pass on that and let you do the segment because I, I, I could spend the whole rest of the episode talking about all the reasons why I wouldn't want Jameis Winston. In fact, there's like 30, <laughs> there's like 30 reasons this year. Why. <laughs> can, you, can you win when you constantly throw? You know, it's interesting because if he does leave Tampa Bay, you know, the very first play of the Jameis Winston era was a pick six. Yeah. Uh, against the Tennessee Titans was his first game. Mm-hmm. And it could be the very last 
yeah. pass that he ever makes with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah. was also a pick six. Yeah. So, you know, that seems to kind of define Crab Lakes' career. He's like, they say he's the most uh, exciting quarterback in football because you never know what you're going to get from play to play. But anyway, uh, so there's a few things we, we want to go over uh, that I've observed. First thing, cowardly coach is coaching coward. One of our favorite segments. And this isn't really a specifically uh, a specific cowardly coach. Yeah. This is every single coach who tried to kick a field goal with fourth and short in a bowl game. Yeah. Like what, what, yeah. what are you, what are you holding out for? You know, yeah. this is the bowl game. It doesn't, I mean, you're trying to win, right? Yeah. It's the last game of the year. It's, it's silly. I, I saw it on a number of games where, uh, you know, fourth and a fourth and a yard. Oh, we're going to go ahead yeah. and kick the chip shot field goal and go for it. It's the last game. Yeah. Uh, I don't get that. every so you you can file that under the same heading as uh, teams that have already been eliminated from the postseason, uh, basically never going for anything. Um, you can all that fi- you can also file that under the same thing as the uh, uh, as the team so as the teams that go into halftime or the end of the game with two or three timeouts. Like you don't get to carry those over to the next. Yeah. There was a game yesterday. Which game was it? It might have been the. I think it was the Wisconsin. Uh, I think it was the Wisconsin Oregon. Which game. was a very Wisconsin, close game. It was a close yeah. game, one point game. And uh, at the end of that game, Wisconsin had the. Uh, I think they they didn't have the ball. Oregon had the ball. Yeah, it was the. It was the time was winding down. Oregon had the ball. There was like two minutes left, mm-hmm. and Wisconsin had three timeouts. And basically let Oregon run like a minute and a half off the clock before they started using the timeouts. I'm like, well, what are you saving them for? Yeah. You know, this is the Rose Bowl. It's the last game of the year. Yeah. Uh, of course, the, you know, it didn't help that the defense couldn't stop Oregon from making first down. So there was that. But it was just a weird clock management yeah. for, I mean, for the end of a, of a bowl game. I mean, that's particularly bad clock management. But I would even I even make fun of the teams that lots of teams just really don't want to w- use timeouts on defense. They really want to save their timeouts for when they have the ball and they can control right. the clock. They can run their offense. But I don't you know, how many times have you seen a team where the defense is obviously gassed? The offense obviously has the momentum and the team who's on defense has three timeouts. And you're thinking, dude, call a timeout. Give your guys right. a breather. Bring them into the huddle meet with the DC and say, okay, guys, obviously we're on our heels here. Let's, let's do something. Even if it's just a pep talk or it's, you actually come out in a different defensive set. Don't, don't just watch the offense run down the field and say, if only there was some way for us to pause so we could regroup. Well, and and there's always a way to stop the clock when you're on offense. I mean, you, you know, you can throw to the sidelines. Mm -hmm. You can, in college, you get a uh, first down, you can stop the clock at least for a few minutes. Uh, You can always, you can always spike the ball if, if yeah. you have to. When you're on defense, the other team is in complete control of the yeah. clock. So if you don't call the timeout, you know that they're going to run 25 seconds off the clock unless they're retarded. Yeah. Which, you know, well, <laughs> that happens too. But. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, yeah. So uh, that was that was interesting. I did see a couple of coaches uh, br- coach bravely mm-hmm. and and go for it. I, I wish I could remember the game because I was particularly impressed because it was a fourth and two, I think, but it was on their side of the field early in the game. And they went ahead and went for it yeah. and got it. And it was a momentum changer, but I don't remember what game. I've watched so much football this weekend. It all runs together. Yeah. Um, I do have a couple of, uh, sh- announcers say, Ooh. yeah. Um, and you know, there was really, I, I, if I had been paying attention and writing them all down, I could probably do like a whole show because 
with all of these bowl games, you've got every horrible announcer combination yes. in the history of the yes. world. But there were a couple in the UK game that uh, UK Virginia Tech game that particularly grabbed my attention. I think I actually uh, probably messaged them both to you. But the first one was, you know, Kentucky was down. Virginia Tech pretty much moved the ball at will most of the game. Mm -hmm. And near the end of the game, one of the announcers said that the Kentucky D has done a good job of stopping Virginia Tech. Uh, you know, incidentally, right after he said that, uh, Virginia Tech gets another long first down. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was not like any uh, any relation to reality there. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky did not do a good job. In fact, they did a horrible job. Yeah, you know, I, I think some of that comes off, too, as it just goes to show you how, how the game has evolved and changed to be a more offensive game. Because, I mean, if this was... If this was even five or ten years ago, much less twenty or thirty years ago, if you have given up thirty points, it's you're basically guaranteed to lose, and it's a hundred percent your defensive's fault, right. and it's time to fire people this weekend. Whereas now, for you to win a game, you know, thirty-seven, thirty-six, that's just a game. Like that doesn't even strike yeah. anyone as like a high offensive shootout. But to me, to me, it still does. To me, that still seems like there was no defense in that game and people were running wild and it was a shootout when I see 30-something to 30-something. Right. How about Kentucky winning a, a football game with no quarterback? With no quarterback. <laughs> on on a touchdown pass in the game, incidentally. Yeah, with no quarterback on a touchdown pass. Boy, they're going to... I, I don't know how much they'll they'll miss Bowden because he, he pronounces it Bowden, right? Not Bowden. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much they're going to miss Bowden or if they kind of just chalk this whole season up as a gigantic fluke that they'll forget about. But talk about a guy that should never have to buy a drink ever again in Lexington. He gave, yeah. he yeah. sacrificed a lot to carry that team this year. Uh, and I also want to give a shout out, not that this is like, not that we're like Lexington's own sports program and that's all we talk about, but uh, I'm a UT fan, and they failed to beat UT, which just goes to show you Kentucky sucks because you because right. UT sucks even more. <laughs> but I I got to give a big shout out to to the UK offensive line because you got to understand you you yeah. spend the whole off season you spend your whole career learning pass blocking and rush blocking. They're very different techniques. Um, mm -hmm. You've got this whole offense and the timing and the snap counts and everything that goes into the chemistry of a certain group of personnel and then realize like after week three okay just forget all that bs we're gonna start over with, with we're gonna move Bowden over to quarterback just snap him in the ball and run forward and hope for the best and they did that for like eight weeks and won a bowl game so that's that yeah. is big time offensive line right there indeed speaking of Bowden, another announcer say he plays a lot bigger than he does <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. So uh, we also had a, a, a number of adventures in officiating. Oh God! Uh, over the over the course of the various bowl games, and this again is kind of more of a general observation uh, rather than a specific. Because I, honestly, I don't remember the specifics of the play. I think it was during the Florida Virginia game, mm -hmm. uh, but the play was uh, there was a pass that was caught. Uh, the receiver controlled the ball, turned, made a few steps up the field, got hit, lost the ball. Yeah. Uh, it was initially ruled as a um, 
I, I think it was ruled as an incomplete or was ruled as a fumble, and I think it was upheld on the review, if I remember correctly. But yeah, that really isn't the the point of this adventures in officiating. the The adventures in officiating were was the commentary offered by the officiating analyst for the network. You know, and these guys are former officials. Yes. So, so this is mm -hmm. supposed to give you some insight into the way that the officials sure. think about these things. And he went on to explain to us that we should not rely on slow motion because slow motion makes things look different. We should look at it in real time. And I'm like, then what's the point of slow motion replay? Yeah. It was really bizarre. It was like... Uh, it was like we have this tool, but we're not going to use it because of the reasons. Yeah, it was really weird, but it would explain a lot, especially when you look at some of these pass interference calls that, you know, when you put it in slow motion, it's clearly pass interference and they're upholding the ruling on the field. But I just thought that was just a, a really strange sequence well, of commentary. You know, that remind me, I remember them saying for years that as as replay rules were, were evolving over the last decade or so. Um, they would tell referee crews, especially in NFL stadiums and bigger college stadiums, they would they would specifically instruct the referees to not look at the jumbotron. Don't look right. at it because I the jumbotron that. is not the official review. And but what but but I mean let's let's be honest. Like come on, let's be honest. The reason why they're saying don't look at the jumbotron is because they can see that they're wrong and they're not supposed to make <laughs> rulings. They're not supposed to rule rule based on the jumbotron. They're supposed to rule on the field. And then if it is reviewed, rule it on review. You don't rule it based on what the jump and, and don't. And obviously, if you've ever been to any sporting event, obviously the home stadium is going to show something that that purports their viewpoint on the of Jumbotron. Course. But still, it's not like that's photoshopped, though, right? That's right. just live action replay. And the fact yeah. that everyone's booing when they see that a drop is clearly a drop is because you got it wrong. And it's just huh. it just doesn't it just feels like we live in this weird bizarro world where we know it was a drop. I can literally look at the screen right there in front of a hundred thousand people, and everyone in that stadium knows it's a drop. The referees call it a catch, and then they tell the referees, "Don't you change your mind?" That's yeah. that's just it's just a certain level of silly that makes you just it leaves that it, it's that distasteful kind of feeling that you're left with that makes you not care as much about the game as you did before. Yeah. Here's another one that was kind of funny. And both of both of these were overturned on review. But uh, during the Rose Bowl, there was a sequence of uh, uh, fourth and or not fourth and inches, but but uh, second and inches, third and inches. Mm -hmm. And then I think it was fourth and inches on sure. the goal line. And uh, on two of those. Uh, they called a touchdown and it clearly wasn't a touchdown, but they called it a touchdown. And then we had to spend 20 minutes reviewing it mm. um, in order to determine that it wasn't a touchdown. So that, that was kind of fun too. But yeah. I don't know, you know, it seems to me that, you know, after all the big brouhaha after the Saints game last year, uh, the playoff game with the Saints and Rams, you know, they were going to fix the officiating. It was going to be a, a, a focus of attention. You know, we're going to get this right. We're going to use replay. We're going to review these pass interviews. In my opinion, this year was worse. Oh, oh, no doubt. I, I, I don't think anyone would argue otherwise that this year was much worse for officiating in general. But you know, it, it goes to show, and and we could do a whole episode on this as we're as we're meandering our way towards the end of the football season. That 
maybe the issue isn't the rules or the equipment or the replay. Maybe we got a bunch of shitty officials and <laughs> shitty people that work in the NFL front office and, and NCAA front office. And if you're if those people all stay the same, why would we think the product will ever be any different? Right. And it makes you, you know, why not clean house? How could it get any worse? Yeah, I know. Uh, amen. Speaking, amen. Speaking of cleaning house, I've got an LP team of the week. For <laughs> All right. But I'm going to do something a little different because okay. I don't know that we've ever had an NHL LP team of the week. I don't think we have. Well, we're going to. Mm -hmm. uh, courtesy of the Winter Classic, which is the annual outdoor yeah. uh, mm -hmm. hockey game that they play on New Year's Day, which weirdly was in Dallas, Texas this year. Sure. Which, and interestingly, they completely lost the ice at one point, like about a week before the before the game. They had a huge uh, deluge of rain and mm. completely had to start over on the ice. I was surprised the ice was as good as it was. But um, it was not a good game for the Nashville Predators, who managed to get up to a 2 nothing lead, hold that lead into the uh, third period, and then give up three third-period goals to lose the game 4-2. to Yeah. To, to who? To the Dallas Stars. Oh, I thought I said. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. So so the uh, National Predators are the LP team of the week because you should not give up a two nothing lead and lose. Well, then just don't. Exactly. <laughs> just I don't know why they didn't bring in reserve goalie Mike Meharry to come in and save that game. I I don't know. I was sitting I was sitting on the couch waiting by the phone. Maybe they didn't have time to get the jet fueled up. And yeah, that that must there that the game that that must be it. So of course, as as the title of the episode has has given away, it's time for the 2020 NFL playoff preview, and we're also going to do the unplayoffs a little bit later in the program. But we're going to start with the real playoffs. Um, I'm going to pull up the bracket so everybody can see, and this is actually, uh, you're, you're going to see how much better my bracket looks compared to the official NFL bracket here in a second. So for NFL playoffs, they, I mean, I guess it's technically called 2019, but it's 2020 right now. So I call it, it 2020 playoffs. Right. So, so right off the bat, let's start, let's start with the AFC before we, before we get into any particular matchup, does it look good to you? Does that feel like the top six teams in the AFC? You know, I guess it does. Um, and the seedings, does that feel? I mean, Ravens, Chiefs, Ravens, Chiefs, Pats, you know, Texas Bills, Titans. Does that that seem yeah. seem right to you? It, it when I look at it, my impression, just you mm -hmm. know, if if just kind of in a vacuum, is that the AFC is weak this year. Um, it's it seems very top heavy. I mean, I I feel like most people would agree that the Ravens are a very very good team, and they're the Absolutely. number one seed, and so you're not in any way taken aback by that at all i think that the chiefs kind of had a rough patch there but they they managed to circle the wagons i've i feel like yeah. the chiefs are kind of the the chiefs are kind of in in my opinion the chiefs are the enigma team this year for the afc and what i mean by that is is that i mean they're the number two seed and they get a first round buy so i mean they can't be bad but you know there was three four five weeks there where the chiefs were not a great team no, yeah, um, they they struggled. Yeah, and so it makes you wonder: is is the Chiefs of this just impossibly good offense run by you know former MVP Mahomes? Is that the Chiefs we're going to see next week, or is it going to be the Chiefs that just couldn't stop anybody, even in their own home stadium, and get knocked out in the first round? I don't know. Yeah, you know the the thing that strikes me, having watched a number of Texan games, mm -hmm. it's weird that the Texans are in the playoffs to me. 
Because it, it really don't strike I, having like like I said watched three or four games in mm-hmm. totality and parts of other ones. They don't look like a good football team. Yeah, they've got a good quarterback, but they've just seem inconsistent. Yeah. And and yet here we are. They they're they what lost? They lose four five games. Yeah. So they yeah uh, yeah I mean so the, I mean the Texans the Texans and the Ravens which of course played each other a few weeks ago the Texans and the mm-hmm. Ravens are very similar teams Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson are both pretty similar quarterbacks but the Ravens are just categorically better in every way and every that, and them being yeah, at the one line is is no surprise and so I mean yeah. you so if you if you had to play a team in the playoffs right now. Uh, of course, the, now granted the Texans were not starting Watson, uh, were not starting a couple of other key players last week because their seeding was was not up for grabs. So they didn't really play 100% last week. With that said, man, the Titans had a drive to start the second half where they ran 10 plays. All 10 plays were rushes, touchdown. Yeah, that 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 is the exact. I mean, because don't don't you you always remember those kind of like playoff norms of if you can run the football and stop the run and control the mm-hmm. clock and not turn over the ball, you can win the Super Bowl. If you can't do those things, then no matter how talented you are, you'll probably get upset. Um, yeah. that makes me think the Titans are a team you don't want to play, and the Texans are probably a team you don't mind playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, how weird is it to see the Patriots not in that byline? I know the Patriots playing in Wild Card Weekend is is very and and they have no one to blame but themselves. Talk about a team that you know a few weeks ago it was Ravens or Patriots who will get the top seed, and then it was well the Ravens have got it locked in as long as the Patriots can take care of business in the in easily the worst division in football, AFC East, then they'll keep their seed, and then. Fitz magic strikes again. <laughs> if the Patriots now, granted, the Patriots have over basically the entire Belichick era. They've never had an easy out with the Dolphins. They've had a lot of tough yeah. games with the Dolphins. It's just it's a divisional game that happens sometimes. I mean, sure. but with that said, this is the playoffs. They're playing this weekend, and the last thing we remember from the from the Patriots is not being able to stop the Dolphins in a two minute drill and losing their number two seed. I don't think that that's the team you would put all your money on. No, to a perennial backup quarterback. Yeah, to well, I, who looks like who looks like an all-star sometimes. Well, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Fitzpatrick was named the Dolphins team MVP for this season, which frankly he yeah. was. <laughs> frankly, yeah, he was indeed. You know what? He was on a on a totally random note before we move to the NFC and then make our picks. I just got to say, since we brought up Fitzmagic. Um, a lot of people are hoping that the Dolphins draft a QB, but keep Fitzpatrick for another year so that he can kind of, you know, keep keep the consistency together, which makes perfect sense. I would do that, too. With that said, I kind of hope they trade him to somewhere else so he can get on another team before he retires. <laughs> Wouldn't it be awesome if he won a Super Bowl at some point? Oh, God, it would be great. I, I mean... I would love nothing more than for the Patriots to say that Tom Brady's retires this year and then Fitzpatrick goes to New York. That would just <laughs> <That'd> be, awesome. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So anyway, moving moving to the NFC. So you got 49ers and Packers, top one and two, and then you've got your your Saints, uh, Saints, Seahawks, Vikings, Eagles. So I'll I'll start again there. Does that feel like the top the right top six teams to you? Yeah, and 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 in this case, the NFC to me feels like there's a lot of teams that could be in that top line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think you could easily switch New Orleans out with Green Bay and not be surprised. Yeah, um, I've liked San Francisco all year. You know, it's exactly what you said earlier. They're a team that can run the ball and stop the run. Yeah, um, they're they're built for the playoffs, and 
you know, I think there's still a little bit in in a lot of people's minds: is this team really for real? Um, and I guess we'll find out. But but I've liked them all year. The Seahawks, I wouldn't want to play them in a playoff game. Yeah. Um, you know, Russell Wilson is is looked uh, for the world like he was going to be the MVP earlier in the season. Hmm. Um, you know, now they've got uh, the beast mode. Although he wasn't that impressive in the game the other day. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the Eagles. <clears throat> They're kind of the throwaway team yeah. to me because that that NFC the, yeah. East was bad. The, the NFC East this year was was this year's example of why I think that the tournament should be seeded and not based on divisions. Because there right. there are better teams than the Eagles sitting at home this weekend while the Eagles mm-hmm. are in because they win the the NFC East. So I I definitely will say comparing AFC to NFC, you know the top two and a half ish teams in the AFC definitely are great teams. I mean, but they are in the NFC, but the bottom two or three teams in the AFC don't strike me as a particular, as a particular Super Bowl threat. Whereas in the NFC, basically any of those teams minus the Eagles, if they won the Super Bowl, I wouldn't be a blown away shocked. Yeah, exactly. Same. Uh, Well, I, I'll take that back. I'm going to add the Vikings. I'll say the top four. I, the, I mean, let's face it. The the purple people leaders just ain't got it. The, the Vikings will always, I mean, the Vikings are like the NFC version of the Buffalo Bills, right? Lots of Super right. Bowls, never, you know, never really, never really the, the the bell of the ball. And, I mean, this year is another year where maybe they win a game, maybe they win a couple. But I think you would be shocked to see the Vikings make it to the Super Bowl. And if they did, you would just assume that they're going to get blown out by the Ravens or Chiefs or somebody. I just, right. it's just hard to, and I don't hate Kirk Cousins, but. You know, Super Bowl champion MVP Kirk Cousins just doesn't doesn't have the ring. It just doesn't. Yeah. Um. So, who would you say is the Enigma team on the NFC? The team that you you I mean they they look like a playoff team, but you don't really know if they're if they're legit. Well, I think of, of the teams that are there. I, the especially as a as a uh, two seed, the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to discount. You know, a team that's quarterback quarterbacked by uh, my brain just Aaron Rodgers. Aaron yeah. Rodgers, um, but I don't know. You know, I've never really felt like there's a whole lot surrounding him. Although their defense has played well, but they just don't feel to me like an, an elite team. Um, I have question marks about the Packers, but yeah, you know, the, the record says otherwise. Yeah, I mean they're they're very similar to the Chiefs being in the two seed in the AFC as well, which is I right. mean they're they're the two seed because they have a better record than those other teams, but they also had a handful of losses that were just clunkers. I mean yeah. legit clunkers. And of course, you know, if all favorites won every game, then it would be 49ers Packers in the NFC Championship game and the 49ers right. just murdered the Green Bay Packers not a month ago. I mean just mm-hmm. blo- just ran them out of the stadium. So, I mean, there's just not a lot of evidence there for us to think that that would be any different if they played again. Yeah. So, okay, so now that we've got the whole bracket kind of laid out, um, we'll we'll actually come back to the bracket and make some picks in the final segment of the show. Before we do that, yeah. we're going to switch to the NFL unplayoffs. The unplayoffs, ah, of yes. course, are as a segment that we'd like to do here on Sports Ball, where we take the bottom six teams in the AFC and the bottom six teams in the NFC and do a hypothetical, what, what if they had a playoffs? So we're and, and we'll we'll make the picks each week and just start with the first round this week. So we have picks mm-hmm. to make. So look at look at my awesome bracket for the NFL and playoffs. Obviously, <laughs> looks just as good, if not better, than the official NFL one. 
Sure does. So, so for the AFC, just so that you know, the seeds starting one and two, the the number one overall seed is the Cincinnati Bengals. They get the home field advantage in the bye, followed by the Miami Dolphins. And then you have the Los Angeles Chargers and the Cleveland Browns hosting during Wild Card Weekend against the New York Jets and Jacksonville Jaguars, respectively. Over on the NFC side, you have the Washington Redskins, or the number one team in the NFC unplayoffs, followed by the Detroit Lions getting the bye weeks. And then you have the New York Giants hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers hosting the Arizona Cardinals. Go Bucks! Yeah, go Bucks! So, but so we'll we'll kind of run through this one a little bit quicker because it is it, it is a bit of a joke. So we'll start on the AFC side. Now, remember these are seeded worst to best, so that's why the Cincinnati Bengals with the worst record are the number one seed because it is the right. unplayoffs. Um, do you do you think that those seeds are correct? You think that those oh, those absolutely. those 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 teams deserve to be in the unplayoffs? Yes, I think uh, I, I feel I feel stronger about the unplayoffs than I do the actual playoffs. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no question that, that Cincinnati Bengals are absolutely the number one worst team in the AFC. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. That's you know, this is what's so funny about the unplayoffs, and and really and really the playoffs too is that you you can't help but look at momentum. You can't look at you can't help but look at how the teams have done recently to think that if right. this really happened, how would it go? Um, a few little tidbits. I'll start on the AFC side. The Bengals get the number one seed because they're the worst team. They deserve to be the worst team, and uh, yeah, they are genuinely that bad. I there's yeah. I I there's no I I actually think that they will probably lose to whoever they play in their opening round match, which is kind of what you'd expect of the worst team. And, yes. on the, and on the bottom side of that graphic, on the other hand, and this is kind of the opposite. You look at the Miami Dolphins right there. Miami mm-hmm. Dolphins all of a sudden started winning games. Fitzmagic Fitz came alive, and they finished the season by knocking off the Patriots. The Dolphins are a legit threat to win this potential tournament. I know, and right? they get a bye week, uh, and they would have home field advantage if the if the Bengals lost, and they would play the winner of the Chargers and Jets. Now, listen, listen to this. Did you know that the Jets quietly finished the season six and four? I did not know that the Jets, and I wouldn't have. I would would I find that hard to believe? The Jet, if you'll remember early in the season, remember Darnold had mono, and and he was and out for some that. weeks, and they they put in that poor kid from uh, Washington State who just just got killed. <laughs> just got, yes, I do. which I mean, it's not ex- yeah, poor guy. But when when the Jets were finally able to get Le'Veon Bell, Sam Darnold, kind of their week one starting lineup back in play. I mean, they weren't a contender, but they won more games than they lost. And I mean, if you're in right. the NFL unplayoffs and you're over 500 over the last eight, 10 weeks, you're probably mm-hmm. one of the best teams in the tournament. So I'm just yeah. saying Jets-Dolphins is actually probably a pretty dang good game. And they played earlier yeah. this year, and those were good games too. Mm-hmm. So there you go. It's, it's funny how our fake tournaments actually turn out to produce genuinely good games, uh, just like our yeah. college football real playoffs do. And on the other side of the of the coin, you have the the Buccaneers. I think are a team that you would not want to play in the unplayoffs. I don't think, yeah. Uh, they they lost the they lost the last two, but they went. Uh, I believe they were um, six and two in the last eight games. Something something in that ballpark. Yeah. Say so that. Yeah. The Buc- so, the Buccaneers. They ran off a they ran off a bunch of wins. Yeah. I mean, of course they didn't play the you know any great teams, but uh, yeah, very true. But I mean. <laughs> 
as as is the as is the Buccaneers are wont to do, you know, if Jameis Winston rolled into the NFL unplayoffs and managed to pull off three three or four games where he only had one or one point five turnovers per game, they'd probably blow everybody out on this list. Right. They probably would. Of course, odds are the first unplayoff game, Jameis is going to throw four picks and lose two fumbles. So yeah, there's that. Yeah, that, there there is that. So you start at the top of the bracket. You got the Washington Redskins. Um, yeah, They're they bad. they totally deserve to be there. They totally yeah. deserve to be where they are as the number one seed in the unplayoffs. Um, I would say that they are. They would almost certainly lose to the winner of Carolina Arizona. I think Arizona would yeah. win that. Um, Arizona, you, you were talking about uh, going forward on third and fourth at inches. Did you know that Arizona had more fourth down tries and more fourth down conversions than all the other teams in the AFC West combined? I did not know. And that. you know what's great about that? They have a they have a young first year coach, young first year quarterback. They know that this isn't really their year, and so they just go for broke because why not? Yeah, I, like I think if you're a I think if you're a Cardinals fan, you 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 got to be pretty optimistic about the season yeah. that they had. I think they were better than anybody expected yeah. given the circumstances. I, I totally agree. I think just just briefly looking at that graphic, I, I think the Cardinals are going to be in the NFC unplayoff championships, very likely against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, so, which again they played earlier in the year. It was a good game. Yeah, I know. It's just all 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 in all a relatively good uh, a good bracket. So, so we'll come back and make some uh, we'll make some picks for this weekend's games after we do. It's time to get on our solemn faces. It's time for in memoriam. We remember a player, a team, a coach, whoever <laughs> whose sporting life was cut tragically short. I got to remove the picture because it ruins the mood. It really does. You you went from tears to laughter instantly. Yes. Mike, who are you remembering this week? Well, you know, there's a lot of people to remember because we had Black Monday in the NFL. Yeah. But I feel like it's incumbent to remember Cleveland Browns former coach Freddie Kitchens. Mm-hmm. Especially considering he lasted all of one season. Oh, I know. Six and ten. Uh, without question, the biggest underperformer, biggest disappointment in the NFL. Yeah. Um. I thought it was interesting. One of the articles that I read um, said that, uh, quote, it appeared the job was simply too big for Kitchens, who did not seem to put his stamp on the team nor instill a sustainable culture. Well, unless you want a sustainable culture of losing. He did that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought that was pretty accurate. Funny, fun, or not funny if you're a Cleveland fan, but or if you're an accountant for the Cleveland Browns, but... Um, you know the team is still paying Kitchen's predecessor Hugh Jackson through twenty through this year. Yeah. Uh, despite the fact that he was fired the early stages of 2018, and I'm certain that uh, the the numbers aren't public, but they'll probably be paying Kitchen's not to coach next year. So. Yeah. Not not a good business model there for the old Browns. Uh no, you could certainly say that. I'd actually I'd actually read I was I was going to see if I could find that. I'd actually read recently that the Brown, if you look at all the coaching changes and general management changes they've had over the last over the decade, over the 20 teens, that they that they had over that period of time paid out something like 60 million dollars in dead money <laughs> to coaches and managers not with the organization. I thought it was interesting too. I read that's a big yikes. Yeah, it's a big yikes. Uh. I read today that they're going to hire a coach before GM, which seems bass backwards to me. But that Brown's going to Brown. That's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's all you can really say to that. 
Uh, I'm going to just do a quick in memoriam uh, for my Dallas Cowboys who thought that if we blow out the Redskins in the last week, they'll let us in. No, that's not how it works. You lost <laughs> no. You lost the games that matter, and that's why you don't get to go to the playoffs no matter how much talent you have. Um, yeah. But cheer up, Cowboys fans. You don't have to worry about uh, whether or not Garrett gets fired and who the new coach will be because if they don't make changes in the front arv- office, a.k.a. Jerry Jones, it ain't going to matter. And ain't I don't think matter. Jerry Jones is going to fire himself. Ain't going to matter. I got – it's – I mean, you know, it, you, have they fired Jarrett yet? Because I heard not, that they were gonna, but then they then they decided they're gonna wait or some weird. I don't think there's Dallas Cowboy thing. Yeah, I don't think there's any way that they don't, but they haven't technically. Yet. But again, it doesn't. It just doesn't matter. I mean, we could sit here and talk till we're blue in the face about all the the hot new coaching hires out there, but it just doesn't matter because if the organization doesn't make organizational changes, why would you think anything different? Right. Jerry Jones should just go be the head of officials. That's. <laughs> It makes it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, I like it. So anyway, since since there's really not a whole lot to college bowls are almost over, and we already made those picks anyway. The playoffs are right right up before us. We're gonna go back to the NFL playoffs. We'll start with the NFC this time. Minnesota Vikings, New Orleans Saints. Who you got? I'm gonna go with the Saints. In fact, I I kind of feel like the Saints. I I would not be shocked to see the Saints in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I wouldn't either. You know, the, I, I kind of part of me feels bad for the Saints. I mean, I, I like Drew Brees. I think a lot of people do, mm-hmm. and you would like to see him go out with another win uh, before before his career wraps up. And you know, the last few years have all been heartbreak. You know, they they had the Vikings beat, and then they let up that terrible last second touchdown, and that was a year that you felt like the Saints probably were a Super Bowl favorite. And then mm-hmm. in the course last year, the Rams totally crapped the bed against the Patriots in the Super Bowl, but it shouldn't have been the Rams. Everyone knows the Saints should have won that game, um, yep. and it was just an officiating blunder. But that's back-to-back. I mean, but in the real world, you only have so many years of prime. You only have so many years in your body. You know, players, personnel groups and teams and coaches only have so many years to compete together. And the Saints have had good teams and have fallen short. Um, you, you you start to get the feeling that they may only have another year or two to put together a full season plus postseason before it'll be time to start retooling again, just like everybody. Yeah. And so, I'll offer you this. I think one of the best things that happened to the Saints this year was Drew Brees getting hurt. Yeah. Because it took, what, three three weeks of pressure off of his arm. Yeah, for it an did. older quarterback, I think that's a that's a plus going into the playoffs. Yeah, it did. So I I agree with you. I think the Saints win that one. Um, and and then what is in hopefully is the easiest pick of the year, um, Seattle Seahawks, uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, a quirk of the divisional seating that the Eagles get to host the Seattle Seahawks. It's ridiculous that this game is taking place in Philadelphia, but it is. Who do you have? Well, I got to go with the Seahawks. Although, you know, I have this weird feeling that the the Eagles could make some kind of weird run. But um, my head says Seahawks. Yeah. My gut kind of says Eagles. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. It's, maybe it's more of a bad feeling than anything because I've never really been an Eagles fan. I, I think for the Seahawks, no matter whether they're playing the Eagles or whether they're playing the 49ers or anyone in between, if Russell Wilson carries that team, they will win. If, yeah. But in, in many games, even if he even has so much as one bad mistake in an otherwise flawless game, 
they lose and they could be playing yeah. they could be playing the browns and lose cuz he has one bad throw <laughs> right. and that's just kind of how the, where the seahawks are as a team so mm-hmm. assuming that russell wilson doesn't totally collapse which there's no reason to think he will he's an amazing player um i think mm-hmm. seahawks so we're yeah. going to go to the other side i'm going to save the best pick for last by the way we're going to start with buffalo bills houston texans what do you think this is an intriguing game to me like i said I, i'm not a i'm not sold on the texans but i am sold on their quarterback um, I think Deshaun could could put the team on his sol- shoulders and and uh, um, carry him to victory. J.J. Watt's supposed to be active. I don't know how much good he'll be, but it might shore up that defensive line a little bit. But the Bills have been quietly you know, quietly put together a good season too. I think this is the this is probably the hardest pick of all of them. Um, I'm going to go Bills just because, like I said, I'm not quite sold on the Texans, but I would not be surprised either way on this game. Yeah, I, this is one of those games where that you're you're tempted to pick the Texans because you feel like they have better skill position players. You feel like they mm-hmm. tend to play a more exciting brand of football than the Bills do. The Bills the Bills are very much a physical. You know what does Chris Collinsworth always say? Your your lunch pail. You know blue yeah. blue collar blue type. collar yeah. lunch box. But yeah. but with that said, it's it's so easy to discount a team because they're not exciting. But there's a reason why the Buffalo Bills are here. It's. I mean, they 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 won more games than not, and team teams game planned against a against a team whose quarterback was is a ho hum athlete and and was oftentimes one dimensional and couldn't beat them. Yeah. So that's why they're in the playoffs. And they play good defense. Yeah. So I actually I'm actually going to go with Buffalo Bills. I think that the Texans are just they're just not a very complete team, and yeah. too many uh, holes. Yeah. I. If, Which has really been the story of that franchise, if you really get down to yeah. it. I mean, it's, you know, the, the Houston Texans, you know, in the, in the same way that the Texans are kind of like a light version of the Ravens, they're also kind of like a light version of the Seahawks. And what I mean by that <laughs> is, is that they're very dependent on Deshaun Watson just having a game that just showcases the totality of his athleticism. And he just push he wills them to victory in the same way yeah. that Russell Wilson tends to do. If mm-hmm. he fails to do that, they don't win, period. So I think the Buffalo Bills. And finally, the last the last pick, and going to go ahead and tell you, this this has got to be my upset special of the millennium right here. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, Mike Meharry, I think the Tennessee Titans beat the New England Patriots in round one. I think they do too. You think so? I do. I do. I think I, I like the running game. Uh, Tannehill's serviceable at quarterback. And I think the, I think the Patriots are done. I think... I think we have finally see, seen Brady turn into the old man that he is. Yeah. You want to you hear something interesting, uh, a couple of interesting tidbits. The first one being, did you know that the Titans were undefeated this season when Derrick Henry went for 100 yards? Sounds to me like you huh. need to give him enough ball. I don't care if they've got 10 men in the box. You figure out a way to run the ball with Derrick Henry, which, by the way, when I say figure out, that's like saying, let's figure out a way to get Barry Sanders some yards. It's usually not that hard to do. Right. You figure out a way to go over 100 yards with Derrick Henry and and, and leave Tannehill in a position where he can, I, I don't want to call him a game manager, but you're you're, you're not, expe- you know, like he doesn't have to throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns right. to win. If you're in a position where they don't need that to win, and Derek, but you do need Derek Henry to hit 100 yards. You should win way more often than not if you're the Titans. The fact that they only squeaked into the playoffs is really just goes to show that there's there are definitely some holes in the Titans 
personnel and organization right now because right. if um, but it's but it's playoff time and they play a playoff style of football. I think mm-hmm. that this is going to signal the end of the the Brady led Patriot era. I think that this is going to be an early exit for them. I think the Titans do get over a hundred and they do win the game. Another funny tidbit. Did you know that with last week's win, Ryan Fitzpatrick now has three wins over the last decade against the New England Patriots? You know only one quarterback has more with four wins? You know who that is? Who's that? No, I don't. Ryan Tannehill. Huh. How about that? How about that? So the Patriots might end the season with back-to-back losses against two quarterbacks that have beaten them the most. It would make me happy. Wouldn't it, though? I've become a Tennessee fan, too, because, you know, I live here in Uly, and, and uh, Derek is the pride of Uly, as, as sure. we like to call him here, mm-hmm. in, the, in the hometown. So, yeah. yeah. He's a Uly Hornet. I've got a Uly Hornet t-shirt. Maybe I'll wear it uh, for the game. I like it. I'm looking forward to it. I, I it's, it, we're, you and I, this is going to be a really depressing episode next week when they lose 60 to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I'm sure that there, there's, there's already. I, I'm almost certain there's a, a commenter. Oh, oh, New England! How can you diss New England? I can do it because I don't like them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what? You know, you know why they keep on getting investigated for cheating? Because they're cheating. Because they're cheating. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, novel concept. Yeah, guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Sports Ball. Uh, you can find us on our website, which is sportsballpodcast.com, as well as seeing these episodes when they debut live on Thursdays at whenever we feel like it, sometime in the afternoon between 3 and 4 mm-hmm. o'clock or 5. 3, 5, 5, 4, 3, 4, afternoon. Two. Yeah, central mm-hmm. Which is over at facebook.com slash sportsballpodcast. Thank you so much, and we will see you next week. Peace. Love me. You have been listening to Sports Ball with Mike Meharry and Alan Mosley. You can follow us on Facebook and leave comments, suggestions. Just go to at Sports Ball Podcast. That's at Sports Ball Podcast on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.